Russia-Ukraine war Russia targets Kiev and Lviv in overnight strikes. Cassandra Vinograd Matthew Pope Big Megan Specia Christopher F. Shoots. Most of the drones and missiles were intercepted. Lviv, in western Ukraine, is far from the front line where Ukraine's military is making small gains in its counteroffensive. Here's what we're covering. Russia sent dozens of attack drones across Ukraine before dawn on Tuesday, directing most at the capital in the latest assault far from the front lines. Air raid alerts sounded in Kiev, the capital, and much of the country shortly before 3 a.m. as the authorities warned civilians to take shelter. The alerts lasted for more than three hours in Kiev as drones came in waves from various directions, according to Serhiy Popko, the head of the city's military administration. There were also reports that one drone had struck a target in Lviv, in western Ukraine. Another massive air attack on the capital, he said in a statement on the Telegram messaging app. Ukraine's Air Force said Russian forces had launched 35 Iranian-made drones at targets early Tuesday, with the region around Kyiv the main area of attack. It said air defenses had shot down 32 of the drones, including more than two dozen near the capital. It was the first drone attack on Kyiv in more than two weeks, a relative lull after Russian forces repeatedly targeted the capital throughout May. The aerial attacks on Tuesday far from the front lines come as Ukrainian forces make marginal gains in a new counteroffensive in the south and eastern part of the country. On Monday, Ukraine said it had recaptured eight settlements in two weeks of fighting. The Air Force did not say what or where the three drones that evaded air defenses had hit. But the local authorities in the city of Lviv said that critical infrastructure was struck, sparking a fire. There were no injuries, according to the regional military administrator. Lviv's mayor, Andriy Sadoviai, reported explosions in and near the city at around 5 a.m. local time and urged residents to seek cover or at least shelter in corridors. The early morning strike appeared to rattle residents in the city near the Polish border, which has long been considered a relative haven from attacks elsewhere in the country. There were also missile attacks on the Zaporizhia region of southern Ukraine, the military said, without providing additional details. The regional military administration in Zaporizhia said that there had been a mass attack on communications, property and agricultural equipment, but that there were no injuries. A correction was made on June 20, 2023. Because of an editing error, an earlier version of this article misstated the surname of the head of Kiev's military administration. He is Serhiy Popko, not Popkin. How we handle corrections. The state of the war. Ukraine's counteroffensive. Kiev's newly launched campaign has made some small gains, but Ukrainian soldiers are increasingly exposed to Russian firepower. American and Ukrainian officials said the fight to dislodge dug-in Russian forces was going to be brutal. Russia shifts tactics. Moscow's forces in Ukraine remain uneven. But while bracing for the counteroffensive, they learned from their costly mistakes, showing improved discipline, coordination and air support. Kakovka Dam break the destruction of the dam along the Dnipro River brought devastation to many in southern Ukraine. 
To some stranded in Russian-occupied territory, it brought a chance to reunite with their loved ones. Overview After months of preparation, and bolstered by weapons and training from Western allies, Ukraine launched the initial phase of a counteroffensive two weeks ago to reclaim Russian-occupied territory in the southeast of the country. Kyiv's forces have notched small successes, breaking through a first line of Russian defenses and reclaiming several small villages. But Ukraine has also lost some of its newest tanks and armored vehicles and suffered an undisclosed number of casualties as Russian forces strike back from the ground and air. The latest Ukraine said on Monday that it had recaptured eight settlements over two weeks of offensive actions. Hannah Maliar, a deputy defense minister, wrote on the Telegram messaging app that Ukrainian units had advanced around 4.3 miles and retaken an area of around 44 square miles in the south. Among the settlements she listed as reclaimed was Pietikaki, confirming reports from a local Russian official and Russian military bloggers over the weekend that the village had been retaken by Kiev's forces. Why it matters while the recapture of Pietikaki in the Zaporizhia region suggests that Ukraine's forces continue to advance, it is not a significant military breakthrough. Like the others Ukraine has recaptured, the village is small, its name translates to five houses, but claiming them has come at the cost of Ukrainian lives and advanced Western equipment. Russian military bloggers reported intense fighting around Pietikaki, with one writing of losses on both sides and the stench of dead bodies drifting over the battlefield. A British defense intelligence report said on Sunday that both armies were suffering significant casualties and military experts say that months of artillery duels and trench warfare most likely lie ahead as Kiev's forces try to break through heavily fortified Russian lines. Ms. Maliar said in a telegram post on Monday evening that the fighting in the east was difficult, with Russian forces trying their own offensive actions in an effort to seize the initiative and achieve their goal of controlling the entire Donetsk and Luhansk regions. Ukrainian troops, she added, were holding the line. Lviv, Ukraine, as the bodies of fallen soldiers steadily fill up a hillside at a military cemetery in the western Ukrainian city of Lviv, the old unmarked graves of those killed in past wars are being exhumed to make way for a seemingly endless stream of dead since Russia's invasion of Ukraine. On Monday afternoon, half a dozen gravediggers took a break in the shade, waiting for the latest coffin they would inter at the Lykakiv Cemetery. Smoking cigarettes and shielding themselves from the sun, they lamented the devastation that Russia had wrought. They said they were bracing for more deaths as fighting grows more intense during Ukraine's counteroffensive. On a sloping hillside, two men who died hundreds of miles apart were buried next to each other. Bodan Didak, 34, was killed by a mine last week on the front lines of the Zaporizhia region of southern Ukraine, where the first stages of Ukraine's counteroffensive have begun. Three days later, Ola Didak, 52, died of a heart attack while serving in an air defense unit in the relative safety of the country's west. On Monday, they were honored side by side in a joint funeral in Lviv. Both of their families were overcome with grief as the soil shoveled on top of the two coffins landed with a succession of thuds. The men, who shared the same last name but never knew each other in life, were united in death in the service of their country. 
One of the hard realities of Russia's war in Ukraine is that even in a city far from active fighting, such as Lviv, soldiers killed on the front lines over the course of the 15-month-long conflict are returned to their hometowns, sometimes in groups, and laid to rest at the same time. It is seen as an efficient way to get through so many funerals when the dead keep coming. At the funeral service for the two men in a Greek Catholic church in central Lviv, incense filling the air, the priest said that he had assumed the pair were father and son because of their names and ages. Though their families were not related, they were joined by their pain, he said. Funerals for fallen soldiers have taken on a grim routine in Lviv. After the church ceremony, the coffins were loaded into vans and driven to the central square where a single trumpeter played. Then the cortege made its way to the graveyard. Along the route to the cemetery, residents paused to pay their respects. A young girl stood next to her father, a small brown shopping bag in her hand, staring straight ahead as the coffins passed by. Some bystanders fell to their knees. At the cemetery, Alina Didak, the wife of Bodan Didak, fainted momentarily, overwhelmed by grief and the afternoon sun. Her sister studied her, wrapping her arm around her back. Katerina Havrilenko, 50, who works for the city maintaining the graves, loaded soil onto a wheelbarrow. There are funerals here nearly every day, she said. With the counteroffensive, many young men and women will be killed, she said. Words cannot express how difficult it is. Very, very difficult. Even though they are strangers, they are someone's children, just like I have a child. At the top of the hillside, city officials have begun exhuming the unmarked graves of soldiers who were buried as long ago as during World War I, young men who died at the start of the last century making way for those who have fallen in this war. At the start of the war with Russia last year, there was just a small cluster of freshly dug graves on a hillside in one part of the cemetery. Now, nearly 500 soldiers have been buried here in plots filling half the hillside, she said, and more will come. It is just so hard to think, last summer, there were so few. And now there are so many. With a faraway look, she added. And until the war ends, how many more will there be? Berlin, Chancellor Olaf Scholz of Germany reaffirmed support for Ukraine in a war that he said could last for a long time, even as he and the head of NATO underlined on Monday that Kiev would not be invited to join the alliance at its summit next month. We should be prepared that the Russian war of aggression against Ukraine can still last for a long time, Mr. Scholz said at a news conference in Berlin after meeting with the NATO Secretary-General, Jens Stoltenberg emphasizing that aid for Kiev had been set aside in the German government's new budget, Mr. Scholz added, Germany will continue to support Ukraine for as long as it takes. Mr. Scholz and Mr. Stoltenberg held what they described as a preparatory meeting for the NATO summit to be held next month in Vilnius, Lithuania. The two leaders both said that despite NATO countries' support for Ukraine, the transatlantic military alliance was not a party to the war that Russia initiated when it invaded in February 2022. Mr. Stoltenberg also played down the prospects that Ukraine would join the defense pact in the near future, as it has hoped it would. We are not discussing to issue a formal invitation, what we are discussing is how to move Ukraine closer to NATO, Mr. Stoltenberg said, adding that NATO's door is open. 
For more than a decade, NATO has offered Ukraine only a vague promise that it would eventually join the alliance, but with no set timetable. Some NATO members on the alliance's eastern flank, closer to Russia, are pushing to provide Ukraine with a strong political commitment on membership ahead of the summit. But countries including the United States are wary of drawing the alliance into a direct conflict with Russia. The most urgent and important task now is to make sure that Ukraine prevails as a sovereign, democratic nation in Europe, Mr. Stoltenberg said. He added that supporting its war effort was paramount because unless Ukraine prevails, there is no issue to be discussed at all related to membership. Mr. Scholz also said he was pushing German weapons makers to expand their production and repair capabilities as Ukraine's counteroffensive gets underway and tanks and other equipment supplied by Western allies are depleted in the fighting. Last week, Germany's defense minister, Boris Pistorius, said Germany would send another 64 Patriot missiles to Ukraine.